0: firmly believe that we cannot compete in any way, shape or form with the future of work if our digital literacy isn't attended to, if, if it isn't raised in order to be able to understand the value of online branding and what that means for you as a professional, um, what it means to be able to uh, be digitally literate, to go online instead of now going to go stand in queues at government offices. Hello and welcome to the Broad Mindside Podcast. Your host is me, Asteria Ambata Pirolla. I'm so
1: excited to finally be broadcasting this show and hosting it all the way from Milan, Italy. Journey along with me together with an exclusive list of guests who are thought leaders, academics, creators, entrepreneurs and scientists. All starting us off from the Namibian landscape. What are we talking about? Everything as it pertains to doing things better and mentally elevated to bring forth the best versions of ourselves in their respective industries. So listen along and hit the subscribe button or simply share an episode that deeply resonated with you. Speak soon. Ciao. I'm going to get right into it and mm-hmm. also just give an introduction, almost like somebody's listening in. Um, okay. The reason why you're here... Um, And that's one of the reasons why I've sent out so many invitations to a lot of people. It's really just to try and have a platform where it's not on radio. It's much more easier to share a podcast. It's more easier to have to prioritize as well conversations that I feel should be prioritized in my home country. And that's one of the reasons why the growth mindset podcast was established. So, the theme of the show is basically everybody's speaking about their own individual experiences in their own industries and how it pertains to the future of work in Namibia. What forecasts they're seeing that could possibly be, could become a trend within the country or in Africa. And, you know, just having a free flow conversation from that starting point. So before we get into the deeper cracks of the show, Perhaps we can start with a professional introduction from your side. Walk us through your background. Walk us through what you're currently doing. Um, Yeah, let's start
0: there. Okay. Uh, Thank you. I'd like to just start by thanking you for inviting me. This is a really great um, opportunity, not only for myself, but I I really uh, am very excited about the possibilities of what you're doing uh, for what it means for Namibia as as well as I'm hoping the African market in general so my background is very hodgepodge i am the quintessential jack of all trades master of none but better than the um, uh, what does the, the saying go? A jack of all trades is is better than a master of one kind of thing. So I, I like to to, to, to to call myself a jack of all trades. But essentially, I started out in media, uh, moved into sales, and then eventually kind of uh, found myself on the outskirts of uh, ICT, of IT, of the digital revolution when it all started. And um, through projects work uh, with uh, teams, ICT teams, I now find myself in the position of being a consultant uh, when it comes to the human aspect of the digital transformation that everybody's undertaking. So my role currently is is to really just as assist the institution at the university, the Namibia University of Science and Technology, is to really just assist the teams that are trying to undertake digital transformation when it comes to how do we handle the human aspect of it? What are the things that we need to do in order to, rather than get the guys to say, okay, right, this is it. This is the new way we're going to do things and, and dictate that to them to rather co-create it with them. Uh, and that's, that's my day job. But my passion lies very much in increasing the digital literacy of uh, the Namibian people because I firmly believe that we cannot compete in any way, shape or form with the future of work if our digital literacy isn't attended to, if, if it isn't raised in order to be able to understand the value of online branding and what that means for you as a professional, um, what it means to be able to uh, be digitally literate, to go online instead of now going to go stand in queues at government offices, to understand that government has undertaken Years and years of e-governance in order to provide the services online to make it easier for you who are sitting somewhere far away so that you don't have to find transport and go. So so these are just some of the the things that I'm currently busy with um, professionally, uh, but as well as personally, professionally, if that makes sense, (laughs) sort of my my side gig, um, if you will. Yeah, and I
1: think um, it's, it's a very important subject because, um, you know, digital literacy, everything is moving into the space of digitalness. Be it online, I think we're not, not that I want to carry the conversation to be primarily around the pandemic and why it was such a big lesson for humanity. Mm. But that in itself already just showed us the country, you know, without considering the rest of Africa that our digital infrastructures are now where they ought to be. And <laughs> yes. But so, yeah, taking it from that sense, I think it's not, it's, it's a very big, um, it's a very big consideration and a big project to actually undertake and work. If you're saying it, that you're doing it as a side gig, it ought not to be a side gig because you no, know, and that's one of the reasons as well why everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm connected to village for one, it's not just, you know, that we want to create this fancy freelance marketplace. It's, it's. I don't want to say um, a lifeline per se, because at times mm-hmm. it's really logistical, but it's more trying to show people and also educate people that Look, this may not, it will we'll take time for it to, to kick off. But mm-hmm. we are going to have to come to a point where we are on par with what's happening outside of the country, on the continent, and outside of our continent as well. So, here we are. Yeah, so This is why another reason why we're having this conversation. And I love the fact that you also said that you're doing it as a sidekick. So that means that you have placed yourself in a leadership position, so to speak. And that's also really important because we don't have a lot of people that are quote-unquote change agents right. who would you know, put themselves at the forefront to be like, you know, this is a space that we need people to know about. This is you, know, you don't have to stand in the queue, for example. Why? You know, taking that lead is also something that is worth to be communicated to be communicated to the next person so that you don't always have to wait for people to tell you to do something. You can actually take the lead.
0: So. Yeah, no, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it's uh, it's a recent passion. Um, we I was in when it was it 2017 2018. I was doing my masters in the Netherlands. And it was in a digital culture, which I thought was going to be one thing, and found out that it's so much more than, than what I expected, which is where the passion really began, because I saw the potential for, for us here back home, but I also saw how we could avoid the pitfalls, um, uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate that uh, Europe and the Americas are much more, and, and Asia, are much more digitally advanced than a lot of Africa. But what was heartening to see was that because we are coming in 10, 15 years behind, we can avoid the mistakes that they made 10, 15 years ago, and especially when it comes to digital equality. And, and not having digital abuses. We can completely jump over those, uh, if, if we know, if we, if we are aware as a people that those are the things that we, we need to avoid. Uh, so it's, it's been a very, and, and again, this is why I say, um, initiatives like yours, I believe, are, um, one of the many, many ground grassroots, um, as well as professional, um, uh, things that are happening that speak towards increasing the digital literacy of of Namibia if we're just going to you know uh, for now limited to Namibia because let me tell you there are some African countries that are doing amazing things Rwanda and Kenya and Nigeria are just leaps and bounds ahead of Southern Africa when it comes to, to some of the stuff that they're doing I know now which You know, if we have to go
1: down that (laughs) rabbit hole of everything (laughs) that's happening, um, it's really... But it gives you hope. It gives us Mm -hmm. a sense of hope that you know we can... And if you're considering the landscape that we find ourselves in Southern African countries, we do have immense potential. And Mm -hmm. our digital infrastructure is... It's it's in a better state in comparison to some of the African countries. But they have done amazing. amazing. Yeah. So that's really one of the reasons it's, it has never, as well, been a passion of mine. And everything that I'm touching on right now, who would have thought that I would you know, start up the group mindset podcast? It has never crossed my mind. But I realized that this, you can't actually, in the sense that you're trying to create a product or you're trying to build something, you need a narrative surrounding that. You need, you know, with good intention. You need, conversations to be happening around the, the future that you're envisioning or where the path that you, you actually want to get into. And that's what has birthed this because I feel like I don't want to keep all my thoughts to myself. I, there are things that I think you know, spark the right um, spark the right conversation. Any person can mm. run with it. It takes just one conversation for people to be like, oh, God, that that is actually something that we could do. We haven't considered this. And this is, yet again, why we are here. So I wanted to appreciate your insights around, you know, digital literacy and everything that you're doing as a side gig. It's a step definitely in the right direction.
0: It's, it's very exciting for me. One of the other, like, I, I am so excited to be home and in Namibia and Africa as a whole, for what is happening right now, how we are starting to turn more and more towards ourselves and to be like, we don't need the answers from outside. Yes, we can take advice and and we can you know consult and stuff like that, but we have our own answers, which is so different from what it was when we were growing up. You know, we were we were taught that um, everybody else outside of us has knows better, and and and, and to see our, our you know Africa stepping into to its own it's uh, I, I remember as a very quick side note I remember sitting uh, with international students at my master's program and and there was only two Africans, a Zimbabwean and myself from Namibia. And all of the other international students were saying that they're going to remain behind in the Netherlands. And everybody turned to, to myself and the other lady and were like, oh, yeah, so, you know, what are your plans to stay behind? And both of us turned and looked at each other and we looked at them and yeah. we're like, we're going home. We are, yeah. we are not staying here. We are going home. <laughs> I was just saying, it, it was just an example of, and I mean, if, if, if people really Read the news about Zimbabwe and and everything, but they they don't understand that how exciting it is on the ground at the moment. Um, you know how all the changes that are happening, the shifts that you can see almost in front of your eyes. It's it's really an exciting time to to, to be African. You know to be proudly African.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing as well. That's going. We're going to go down another rabbit hole, but. It give birth to another conversation, but I feel, you know, being in the the diaspora where you're speaking with other Africans, you it's twofold. You understand, or I understand, um, you know, why some why some people would want to go home, and why some in you know Mm. talking about East Africa or you know the deepest part of Africa where there's not so so much you. There's not so much happening, but there is immense potential. You can also sympathize with somebody who would want to stay behind in a first world country. But that, does not, that also just means, it actually just goes to show that we have also people that have seen the world, that have seen the outside, returning back home. You have seen that you do have, you do have a position, you are in a position to actually you know, make home a little bit better for people that are outside of the country to want to come back. And unfortunately, yep. that, yeah, this is going to give birth to a whole other conversation because we are not ready for <laughs> yeah. that. Not ready I'm, to I'm biting that. my
0: tongue. I'm, I'm biting my tongue. I'm like, nope, this is not about that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but anyway, um, the, the second part of uh, the conversation is... How, how you harness your individuals' trends. I think you have briefly already touched on that. Um, mm-hmm. I would like us to touch on hybrid working. Okay. I know it's quite like a buzzword, and remote working is like really trendy right now. Everybody's like, I would I prefer to stay at home. And you know, it's it's it wasn't it wasn't so so popular back <laughs> before the pandemic hit, but now that we're seeing no, you can be as, as productive as being in the office and still tend to your kids and still, you know, do everything that mm-hmm. you want to. How do you envision or, or, or how do you envision that happening um, or having a, a hybrid system within the country in Namibia that is, um, you know, people taking that up as an option to work instead of always reporting to a physical workspace? How do you think mm-hmm. that's going to take off if it, if it doesn't already?
0: It's, that's a very interesting, it's it's a, it's a lovely question, because I, a year ago, was pulled into the Flexible Work Arrangement Policy Working Group. So our, our institution is actually now officially making a policy around that. And to answer your question, uh, I'm going to bring up something that we have been debating for a while. Um, as you can imagine, there are a lot of HR officials on that working group. And the debate that's raging at the moment is if somebody is working from home and or or they have, you know, three days on, three days off or whatever the arrangement is, when you're looking at their hours, so they're clocking in at 8 a.m. and then they have to clock out at 4.30 and they have to be accountable during these and these and these hours. Now, there are some roles that, Need that, especially if they're customer-facing roles. But we're in, we're we're moving out of a knowledge-based economy into a digital economy, and and that whole counting hours thing is a product of an industrial revolution where you could assemble so many parts in so many hours. So the debate currently, and I think when when you're looking at the future of of hybrid work or remote work, especially in Namibia the start is a change in mindset especially with HR who need to advise the higher ups that just because I now move from working eight hours to working four hours you can't say my salary now needs to be halved because I'm only working four hours you still need to look at my output you still need to look at my productivity you didn't hire me for eight hours eight hours was a Condition of the work was just one of the regulations that you put down. You hired me to do a job, a role, a function with certain outputs, and and so I think um, one of the biggest challenges that Namibia has going forward is: do you have a robust enough uh, prod, uh, pr- production? Not production, sorry, uh, a robust enough um, performance management system um, that will accommodate the shift for current workers, because people coming into the workforce now can already walk into a, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. But you have an entire, like you said, you know, COVID-19 exposed so much. So you've got this huge, big Namibian workforce at the moment who want to go hybrid, who are, really have seen the benefit of it, but the structures and the policies are not yet there, and the 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 mindset is not yet yet there to be able to accommodate it fully uh, to its best. So there's a lot of teething problems at the moment. And I think uh, we we would move into where that is the norm once the mindset change has come. Not just about now somebody's not physically at work, but to actually be able to understand what does it mean to lead a team digitally? How do I need to look um, um, what is the difference in terms of what my expectation needs to be um I've heard, I've done a lot of digital virtual leadership workshops and a lot of people have told me horror stories about how they actually don't prefer to work from home because whereas before their bosses didn't worry at all about what they're doing on any given day, now all of a sudden they're trying to check on them every hour and then they can't get work done uh, because they're like, oh, do this, do that, do this and then it just, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because now their managers are like, oh, well, it doesn't work, people working from home because look, um, Vivette didn't manage to get anything done um, that she would normally have gotten done, not taking into account their own behaviors that precipitated um, my lack of productivity. So to answer your question in a nutshell, it's happening at the moment, but it's 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 unfortunate that uh, for the old God, uh, which um, a lot of people are still you know the old God are still running things, uh, the mind shift, uh, the mindset change, is it has become, well, from my opinion at least, is 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 the biggest challenge going forward with regards to to having people not physically there because the um, and we've said this repeatedly in the virtual leadership workshops. Being at work and working are sometimes not in the same WhatsApp group at all. Yeah. Um, you, you yeah. People just assume that you are at work, which means that you are working, which is not the case. Um, not for everybody, at least. Sorry, I'm not not trying to label everybody under that same banner. So, so, so yeah, that, that would be my response. I think the biggest challenge we have right now um, isn't the fact that it doesn't work, because like you said earlier, our our Internet, I think, is better than most Um Obviously, um, we're now not going to get into the fact that for some people working at home is not possible because they don't have the Internet connectivity or the Internet's not good or their position is such that they don't have the, the, the financial means to, uh, you know, have, have the Internet data that they need. Again, we can circle around to that at some stage, but, but to, to answer your question for, for me right now, mindset change is, is our biggest challenge going forward.
1: Uh, you you dropped a lot of bars there. You dropped a lot of <laughs> gins and really that, yeah, which is I, I think the, at the core of it, it's really like you said. It gives birth to a bigger question: How do you change a mindset? Mm. And a lot of people, oh, yeah. You no, know, I'm I'm particularly very interested around hybrid working because I have for plus it's going up to three years. I've worked on virtual teams. I've consulted with clients that are in Sweden, in the UK, and also in Milan. But all of that was done Mm -hmm. virtually. So I got to see the backhand of it, how a recruitment strategy needs to be tailored, for one, to fit, you know, to to fit workers that are sitting in different parts of the world, considering time zones, considering, you Mm. know... So how productivity levels of various individuals. Some people are morning workers. Some are night night owls. They get a lot more done, you know,
0: during the morning hours. Oh. So it's okay. so much... Good. Interesting that you mentioned that because one of the discussions in the virtual leadership workshop that a lot of the managers didn't know was um, to work according to your um, employees' circadian rhythm. Exactly. You know, like you said... Some people are better in the morning. Some people are better at night. And if it's about the productivity, you, you, how do you as a leader now work according to that? When you yourself are a morning person, so you want to have the meetings in the morning. But, you know, half of your staff are actually afternoon, evening people. So, so, so it's, <laughs> I'm not saying we have the answers yet. But, you know, at mm-hmm. least, like you said, we need to start having the conversations in order to get to where we need to get to.
1: Exactly. And yeah, from from those experiences that I got to see, I was like, okay, this is actually, it's not just about getting people on Zoom calls. They are, you know, people have gone, and they're, look, that's really so, so impressive. People have gone to the full ex- extent of taking certain tools. We have, for example, what we're just familiar with from the Namibian landscape the Zoom or Teams mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. God, I hate. Not that I hate it. Let me not put it out there, but or Skype, <laughs> if we are still you know, working with those kind of dates. Um, but they are in between, you know. Just would you, would you would you prefer to get on a Zoom directly, or what would need to happen in preparation for you know for leading up to a Zoom? This is going to take off on a whole other conversation because what i have seen is really. I've got to realize that we are actually not, we're not paying attention to what it takes to run a virtual team. You, know, you mm-hmm. need to be able to you know, how do people communicate or co- communicate on, on Zoom for one? You no, know, maintaining engagement during Zoom meetings. People are on mute, for example, or their cameras are turned off. And there's one company for one that was really interesting for me where the CEO, like, he explicitly in the beginning, before all the meetings would start, he would be like, Guys, I know what everybody does behind their cameras. You know, you are here. I know you want to be here, but we all know what happens when you switch that camera off. So please, just to maintain attention and for you to, you know, to keep to keep your attention to what we're speaking about, keep your camera on but mute the mute your mic. And he mm. did that purposely for each meeting because. Like I said, all these things are great because now we have to meet virtually, right? But there are also those little challenges that comes with having a digital workspace. And all of those things, should they be incorporated in a recruitment strategy, can set you apart. It's the smallest things that can actually just, you know, make you a game changer in your own industry. So yet again, that's why we're here because hybrid working, remote working is already here. And yes, the challenge is mindset, but now how do we move past um past, not that you're trying to brainwash, but you want people to get to start thinking that okay, we're mm-hmm. good now, we're remote working. But the after remote remote working, there's going to be another step. Are we ready for that step? So this is gonna give birth to a whole other conversation. Conversations is <laughs> I
0: want to know Sorry. No, because, you know, it, it fits into to a digital literacy as well, right? Because one of the resistance to remote working or to virtual uh, work is um, the inability to really navigate the tools. Uh, you know, do you understand that all of these functionalities are part of Teams or that you have this functionality on Zoom in order to make the meetings more interactive? Uh, do you understand that you can still create sort of an Informal coffee water cooler environment. It just it's just going to be more uh, purposeful instead of organic, uh, and and it, it it all leads back to do you understand the tools at your disposal. To be able to do what you need to do, and if 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 we can increase the digital literacy of everybody, then that that whole being able to use the technology, that the the fear of being able to use the technology falls away and doesn't become an excuse anymore. Because a lot of people like to use, oh well, you know, technology is just you know we can't work it, it doesn't work, um, and it's like it does it doesn't work or you don't know how to work it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's also another component of, of it all.
1: Yeah Oh okay, this was this is great. You know because when, when you're talking about this, it's like, yeah, but that sounds so futuristic. It's like, no, it's not futuristic. I mean it, these things are happening and uh-huh. this is also another tool which would progressively get to um, after all the conversations that I have. But there are other products of, out there like for one, when we had the, the 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 event for Billet, we specifically mm-hmm. because we are we are positioning ourselves as a remote first company. We will have co um, co working spaces in where, in our headquarters, but we don't want to be um, we don't want to be yeah. We want to emphasize basically remote working first, and if you want to if you do want to come into a physical workspace, there will be a place made available for you. And one of the companies that we um, that we reached out to that are also remote first, Hopin, they were like, no, we've been doing this and they have nailed down the tiniest little detail from you not having to understand the system, this is a link, you know, educate yourself. And that we need to get to that point of, you know, not becoming comfortable with the fact that you don't understand the system or you don't mm-hmm. understand the tool, these in this day and age, there's just no excuse anymore for it to be like, yeah, it's it's a bit challenging for me. So that's also going to give birth to a whole other conversation because you know what motivates us <laughs> people to learn or to want to step to learn new tech, that's it's, uh, it's another step to it. But anyway, um, let me move on because uh, I don't want to keep you any longer. The okay. next the next part we were talking about the significance of freelance economy in Namibia, mm. yes, yeah. and that's also another devil on its own because when people hear freelance it's like, oh my God, what is it? It sounds it sounds foreign, but it's like short term working. You get a side <laughs> project, and then you do the work, you finish, and you move on to the next client. You know, I'm seeing, I'm keeping it very simplistic, but all these terms that we're throwing around, which we are also using within Billet. When we had the first event, for one, um, which was really amazing, I'll still get to talk about that on LinkedIn and all our social spaces. You, you got to, people are interested around the, the conversation of freelancing, but they don't particularly see the safety in it for you mm-hmm. to be a freelancer. Like, what does that mean? doesn't mean, you know, Because everybody has, if you are a full-time employee, for example, you have benefits, you have pension contributions, you have all all of those nice to have things because it's, you know, quote-unquote safe. But when you become a freelancer, essentially you are responsible for the bulk work of how your earnings are apportioned. But the reason why I'm bringing freelancing into all of the conversations that I'm having individually with people here is as well to get comfortable with the term to really unpack it, but it's not so as scary as it may seem. And also just to give an understanding to the fact that not everybody is, and this is a really scary reality where a lot of people don't want to actually, you know, even think about, not everybody is going to have a nine to five. If you're lucky to have a nine to five, you are, you're one of the lucky ones. But as the years are going to keep, Moving on, automations, the rise of techs and robot mm-hmm. robotics in various industries. It's going. A lot of people are going to have to find
0: other ways to make a living, right? It's it's a it's an it's an actually one of the things that I wanted to ask when I saw you mentioned that you know we're going to talk about this is. I think the definition, in in my humble opinion at least, the definition for freelancing uh, is, is where we need to start uh, because we, we all need to start from the same definition in order to be able to understand each other because freelancing traditionally uh you know outside of everything else traditionally when you think freelancer like you said it's you you get a client you move on but it's also been almost a very technical so it's your web designers your um graphic designers your uh, possibly your uh uh, uh you know software developers so it's it it's, it's been very much into the technical field and obviously in the writing field as well so in media and, and in the tech field it's become it, it, it's, it's it's not such a scary thing because it, it it is it's been more common for a lot longer but now you you you're, you're, you're that, that the term freelancing is evolving and, and moving into to other fields and I think uh, we're gonna get to the point where freelancing sort of starts to intermingle with consultant because what what, what for example what I um, was am looking at and what I A couple of uh, people have had this discussion at my workplace where they don't actually want to be employees, but they don't necessarily um, want to be contractors either. They're they're looking at freelancing almost as in a consulting role where I don't come in to fulfill a job, So, um, but you are bringing me in on an almost permanent basis because of my skill. Um, because I am providing a certain skill to you. And it's not necessarily a business as usual, an operational skill where you could, you could then have a very clear divide between operational being your nine to five permanent employees who need to be there day in and day out. Whereas, um, my skills are potentially project to project to project based. Um, so, so you know, when we're looking at freelancing, we need to, to to look at what what is the current definition and where is it evolving to, uh, and and how is it perceived by different companies? Do companies see freelancers as just your you know your writing, your technical, or are they going to look at an HR consultant as as being a freelance person? Um, are they going to potentially look at uh, you know an anthropologist who needs to, I like to call myself a digital anthropologist, you know, who comes in and, and does a role, and it's not necessarily going to be a six-month thing, it's a project that is going to take two, three years, uh, and so do you bring them in as a consultant, do you bring them in as a contractor, or do you bring them as a freelancer, and what is the difference in your perceptions on those three words and those three terms, and what they mean for you as an institution or as an organization? Uh, so yeah, so that's a very, that's a huge animal to unpack in terms of you know how do we how, how is freelancing currently perceived and where is it going? Because as you said, not everybody's going to have a nine to five, and you are going to have to. You know, put your shingle out there. And and one of the things I think I, I had an advantage of was I worked in recruitment. So, so so now when you're looking at going towards a more freelance type of workforce, do they understand that when they give their rate, be it hourly, be it daily, be it weekly, be it a monthly potential retainer fee, you can't just say, oh, well, you know, I used to work and get 50000 a month, that's right. so that's my rate. But did that 50000 include your sick leave, include your leave days, did it include your medical aid? So no, 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 no. What is your cost to company? Your cost to company is where you need to start in order to be, because this is what people fear when it comes to freelancing, isn't it? Because they're like, oh, well, now I don't have my leave days or, or, and if I don't work, I don't get paid. So I'm like, no, my darling, what you need to do is you need to go, okay, my rate is this. It is inclusive of my. My potential not working potential not working days, and so I need to actually manage my finances well enough to say that my my I'm going to take five days a month where potentially I might not be working, and then I'm going to make sure that the money that I get when I work covers those five daily rates. So instead of your daily rate, even if you quote your daily rate at let's say. $2,000 or two, 200 euros, whatever your currency is, uh, your daily rate is actually not 200. Your daily rate is 150 because you're compensating the 50 for those days that you're not there. So, so, so sorry, I, I've, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent now, but yeah, so... Um, so, so, so uh, freelancing when it comes to Namibia is is still very much in its fetal form because we need to have uh, we need to start um, having a common understanding of it. Then we need to. Uh, I like to use the word literacy because literacy is really it encompasses so much because you need to then start um, having conversations, as you said before, in order to make people freelance literate. What does it encompass? What does it mean for you? And or you need to go in and make sure um, the company that you're working with, what is their understanding of it? And how do you need to work yourself as a freelancer? Um, so, so there needs to be a lot of education around that in order for it to, ev- and not just from the workforce, right? Not just from you as a freelancer, but to actually have companies understand the value of freelancing in order to expand the ecosystem. Exactly. And you said something, I think that it it,
1: oh, it completes the whole the, the whole the, the whole question basically. You said companies having to understand the value of freelancing. Mm-hmm. That yep. I mean if you're talking from a pure economic point of view then and just recruitment budgets alone. <laughs> paying salaries and all the benefits that need to be paid out. We don't need to put the math out here, but that's one of the reasons why we're so so passionate about the freelance freelance conversation in Bullet because it's going it's it's already looking very tight for most companies to keep mm-hmm. a lot of full time staff staff members. If you can nobody's saying that you can you should cut all your work all your your the whole workforce essentially, but what if there was another alternative? You can still keep your mm-hmm. stock members, you know, at the fraction of what you used to used to basically pay. And this sounds really capitalist capitalistic, but <laughs> it's really the real, the reality of how things have been done. And from a Western point of view, for example, there are a lot of successful freelancers. There are people mm-hmm. that are they are hired, yeah, you know, they pay they're paid by value of what you, you produce per output. It's not just, okay, we have you know, it's great to have a, the benefits that come with a full time job, but I think that it made, it has made people a little bit mentally complacent because you are still getting paid either way. So, you might, yeah. yeah. So, you can take off, you can afford to basically take off two days sick leave and be like, ah, your salary won't be affected. But that's a different reality outside of the continent because, you know, if you are a software developer, for example, there are certain specific targets that you need to meet, you know, for you to get the fraction of what, you know, this company or various companies are paying you. And that is the value of freelancing for one. We are not going to unpack everything right now, but that's just to give you an indication of why we ought to move into that type of direction.
0: And Oh, yes. Another thing. Uh, and just just to add, um, I, I think we, we we like to throw the word generational around, and more and more in the workforce we have we have such multigenerational. And one thing that I really enjoy about the younger generation is they are very much of the, I don't, I'm not working for my retirement anymore. I'm investing. Uh, so my retirement is taken care of. So I, I want flexibility. I, uh, I and, and flexibility comes in, in the form, in various forms, but most especially as a freelancer. You're not doing tedious job work that you don't want to do, which means you're actually more productive. And this is the weird thing that for some weird reason, I don't know why, organizations don't understand or don't really want to grasp the fact a happy worker is a more productive worker. And if you provide them the flexibility that they've asked for, instead of this old school 19th century industrialized way that we are still working in, um, you actually are going to benefit. So yes, they may cost you $20,000 more a month than if you had hired them permanently and forced them into a cubicle but you're going to get um, more productive which is better for your business and ultimately that 20,000 is going to um, return on investment for you because you are now not liable you know there's the liability issues that you have taken away uh, there's an increase in output there's the branding I mean we we can list Uh, uh, as long as my arm, all of the the benefits, which again, then, you know, this is called the the growth mindset podcast. So it, it goes back to the mindset of what the benefits are as a freelancer and the young people, the people that are coming out of, of, um, of of universities, the you know the future of your company. They want that flexibility. So you, it's it's, it's adapt or die. You, you, you know, by not seeing it now, you are you're strangling your company in five ten years from now because you are not going to be an employer of choice uh, because you don't have that understanding. You don't have that mindset. Therefore, you do not have those options for those up and coming people who are going to then get their experience somewhere else. And are going to be sought after, and then you're left behind. It's a VHS versus Netflix conversation. Not VHS, sorry. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Um, uh, that old company where we used to buy. Um, ca- we used to hire cassettes. Uh, um, oh God, I'm showing yeah, my age, yeah, right? Here we go, Blockbuster. I don't know if you recall Blockbuster. It's a Blockbuster okay. versus Netflix, right?
1: Yes. <laughs> uh-uh. Yeah, no, 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 totally. Um, and I think uh, especially in that, that's going to lead into the next um, conversation of graduates. Mm-hmm. And I briefly touched on it during the virtual event when I said that um, freelancing can be used as a cushion, you know, on the path of you actually getting if you desire really the full-time role of sitting, it's, there's nothing wrong with that, but on mm-hmm. the path of actually getting a full-time role, you can freelance. And then you mm-hmm. freelance your way, you build your experience, and that way nobody by the time that you actually get into an entry position, you have acquired three months of experience at one company or at one client and you, com- you compound that and you use it at your full-time destination now. So it's so to speak. So mm-hmm. that's... For the graduates, I think there's also another benefit there that um, for those that have seen it, especially the one, the guys on the ground in, in Namibia, that is, you know, the graphic designers and photographers, you know, you you, you have seen the value of actually working for yourself. It's just the, mm-hmm. the terms have not been appropriately used to say that what you're actually doing is freelancing. So... Yeah, what are your thoughts with regards to that? Um, Institutions of higher learning, especially in the country, um, Mm -hmm. could that be also a conversation worthy to be, not even a conversation, could that be embedded, or do you see it being embedded sometime in the near future in curriculums, for one? Because our education, for one, is tailored to you getting into a university, get good grades, and get a job. We don't have so much of the emphasis of yes, in the absence of you getting a full-time job, you can consider various alternatives. So if we embed that into tertiary education curriculums in I don't know which type of programs, but like work placement curriculums for, for on top of my head. Just mm-hmm. to, you know, to start sensitizing um, you know, a young Yeah, a freshman, for example, coming into, up until your final, year, you already have that understanding in terms of, okay, in the absence that I don't get anything, which is, like I said, I'm a realist, I want to be an Mm. an idealist, but you need to look at the reality of things and (laughs) our graduates need to be prepared. So what are your thoughts about that? Um, Do you see that happening anytime soon? Do you think we...
0: Yeah, let me stop there. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I gosh, I've quite a lot of thoughts around that. I, I'd like to, to to mention that where we we were at, I don't. I th- we're gonna get there. How soon is is not something that I think I'd, I'd 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 like to venture answering, but but I think we will get there. So what I've seen, I've been at the university for. Gosh, eight years now, <laughs> and I've been in the planning um, unit, right? So I've been very fortunate to to to, to be at the centre of looking forward all the time. We at planning need to look forward all the time. What is happening in the industry? You know, what is where is government going? What phase of development are we in? And we need to make sure that we, as a university, respond to that. That's just how universities work. And already a couple of years ago we started really hammering on the entrepreneurship so our uh, business courses have entrepreneurship in fact um i uh, i edit a a class of technology entrepreneurship which is the equivalent of a postgraduate um, level of technology entrepreneurship so I do know that you know we're understanding now the value of not just hardcore skills for a a, a defined role we're looking at developing entrepreneurs I was very fortunate my gate broke a couple of months ago and I googled and the guy that came he was an entrepreneur and I was like you know I love your web presence and and he was really professional. And I'm like, where did you study? And he was like at the VTCs. And I was like, wow, okay. Their level has clearly upped. And he's like, yes, they've introduced... Um Business aspects, so they're not just technically training them; they they're also starting to train them as to the business aspects of things. So, so the reason I mention all of this is that um, it, it tells me that we are heading towards universities being more responsive. We, uh, you know, one of the things that we're currently doing at the moment is is also looking at what is known as. Um, prior recognition of prior learning. We have so many people out there who have been In their job for 20 years, they know everything that they need to know, but because of whatever reasons, they don't have a piece of paper to back it up. So instead of you now going to have to do a three-year degree, we're going to say, okay, what you need to do, because you've been in your job 20 years, is build a portfolio of evidence that matches these things, and we will then give you recognition of prior learning, which is the equivalent of a degree. So in this way, universities are really um, diversifying their, their modules, you know, the, in terms of um, not, it's not just a case of you have to come in and get a three, four year degree and then go out and do your master's and do your PhD. We, we recognize the fact that that's just no longer a feasible model. Um, while it works in certain things, like I don't want my doctor to be somebody who, who has a recognized prior learning. Uh, <laughs> for example. Um, so so, how soon we could um, enfold something like uh, a freelancing into an actual curriculum is uh, anyone's guess at this point in time. But with the fact that we are, and I speak only from my own institution's perspective, that we are responsive to, to industry needs, uh, I would hazard a guess that it would be quite soon. We also have a lot of centers that, that deal with students. So we have uh, the Teaching and learning unit we have the cooperative education unit and I would highly recommend I would probably pass on the name to to have a discussion with the the woman at our cooperative education unit because cooperative education has been really great with giving uh, students internships like facilitating that within industry in order to have them be work ready uh, and doing a lot of workshops with them, um, doing a lot of training with them for those kind of things that, um, you need to be able to be work ready because there's a difference between having a degree and being able to actually work in a work environment. Um. Exactly. So, so yeah so we are quite responsive not as responsive as i would like there's huge room for improvements uh but to to, to now sum up a very long answer i, I would say that we are we, we, we are heading that way and and we we we're probably going to to you know after this conversation this podcast it, it will probably be a conversation i bring up in our next strategic planning session to go hey guys what's happening with our curriculum with regards to freelancing What's the options there? (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, and like I said, it's it's just obviously the mindset that I'm interested in. You know, Mm. if it sparks something, then we are going to be moving in the right direction. Doesn't? I'm not so so worried about how long it will take. It's just can we get can we get thinking on that? Can we devote some mental energy to actually just thinking creatively about bringing this into curriculum. So if that can be done, then it's it's a it's a, it's going to be a step in the right direction. I think we have nearly come towards the end of this. It's coming towards an hour now, and yeah. the wrapping up of it kind of feels sad because this was <laughs> this was yeah, it was more than what I expected. It was really lovely. And oh, thank you. touched oh, great. I'm glad. Yeah, we touched on a few things that I think can lead into other conversations that are going to be even much more bigger than this, because yes. this is it's, what we're doing right now. is just scratching the, the surface of you know, testing the waters, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, anything else that you would love
0: to say, um, before I close the room. Uh, what I'd like to say is I, you know, from the conversations that we've had, how each topic that we've touched on is a, a whole podcast in and of itself, if not a whole series in and of itself. So I, I'd really love to just encourage you to, to, to look at this, the, these, in, these you know, what, well, what you're doing with the conversation that we've had. But in terms of officially, for, for, you know, obviously those, that, that part you can edit out. Um, but <laughs> in terms of an, a, a, an, an official, um, Response from my side is is that what's very interesting to 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 look if you look at statistics, Namibia, 13 uh, percent of the Namibian population that is online is on LinkedIn, which is on average two to three percent higher than the African norm and even to some extent the European norm, uh, which has been which is of which. It says something, and I'm not quite sure what it says, but it it tells me that there is an appetite for professionalism, for consulting, for freelancing, for the understanding um, that you need to have uh, a profile, you you need to to show your expertise and demonstrate it. And and if that appetite is there, it's a hop, skip and a jump to a, a really thriving freelance market in Namibia um so I, i'm i'm really excited to see where this eco how this ecosystem will develop um you know where it's going to go what we as namibians can uniquely give to it in terms of africa um africa um in a study that i read the other day um they did a study of a couple of hundred thousand people uh, all over the world and and freelancing um uh, uh, was 10.1 percent of africans in that study um Well, Africa represented 10.1% in terms of the freelancing, which means, and, and we're a, what, we're with a a billion people on the continent, uh, and with the free Africa trade agreement that is being ratified by So many countries in Africa, that means that the borders are going to start collapsing within Africa in terms of work, which means freelancing isn't just going to to be limited to your country more than ever. It's not going to be the prerogative of the executive to be working in and around Africa. You know, the everyday man um, um, can now also look at Africa as his market and not just his home country. And, and, and I feel like Namibians, um, need to we need to really start responding to that potential now in order to to be able to take advantage of it when we get to the point where we're like oh i don't need to have because I, I need to now get a visa to go to uganda next week right uh, but i'm really looking forward to, to to the time where i don't need to have a visa to go and conduct work in uganda and and it's around the corner it's closer than a lot of people know or realize so yeah absolutely exciting times ahead Oh, thank you Vivette. Thank you. That was I was a perfect closing
1: remark.